All right, we are in Genesis 19. Let's walk our way through this and see what kind of craziness we can find. So, Terry, you want to read verse 1? All right. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Okay. Now, just to point out, notice we're calling them angels again, right? But what is Lot seeing? Do they look like angels to him? Right? That's, the, that's a question. Now, there's only two, and so we talked about this last week. Well, where's the other one? The one that we, you know, kind of have been calling God in whatever form that is. Where's he? Now, if we assume that God keeps his word, then he must go down to see for himself at some time, in some way. Is he, is he seeing through these two? Is he just kind of hiding out and watching? You know, what? don't know. Has he already been there, figured it out, what, right? Don't know. It just disappears from the story. Uh, it tells us that it's evening and that Lot is sitting at the gate. So the question, was he there all day? Does he do this every day? Well, in this time, in this place, in these cultures, the gate of the city was where you went to conduct business, to uh, get judgments on minor things, right? Sometimes you'd actually have to go through a, some sort of official court-like thing, but a lot of it happened right there at the gates. Sometimes the king himself would sit at the gate for the purpose of judgment, you know, among the people, all that kind of stuff. So this was, this could have been completely normal. I, nobody knows Lot's everyday life, but he could have been down there all day, every day, because that's where the guys hang out. It's where you conduct important stuff, right? If you want to be involved in the city. And it appears that Lot, generally speaking, really wants to be involved in the city, right? So there's that. Uh, uh, Was Lot alone? Now, under normal circumstances, there would be a number of men sitting out, you know, for business and all of that. But Sodom was pretty messed up. Did, did, did they follow those conventions? Was Lot out there trying to fulfill a cultural thing that had gone by the wayside in Sodom? Or, no, he was out there with a bunch of other guys. Don't know. And now Lot showed uh, extreme reverence and honor for these travelers And it should remind you of who, just in the previous story, Abraham, right? Abraham, possibly after being circumcised recently, you know, he's running out to, you know, see, hey, come, come stay with us. You know, you've been traveling. We'll take care of you. Lot is acting in the same way. Is he, is he, did he learn this from Abraham? Right? Could be. But for whatever reason, maybe he recognizes they're super important men, sees that they're angels or something right off the bat. Or maybe it's going to take him a few minutes and it doesn't matter because they're travelers. And he just thinks this is the way you treat people. That's part of that righteousness as he understands it, right? What he would do for himself. 
So, verse 2. Philip. Then he said, Here, please, my lords, please turn aside to your servant's house. Spend the night and wash your feet. Then you can get up early and go on your way. But they said, No, we will spend the night in the open plaza. All right. Which is, I mean, it's interesting. Why did they refuse? It's just weird. But Lot, well, let's do this. The, when he says, my lords, but whatever your translation says, something like that, it's, it's the word Adonai. Just so you understand, it isn't always talking about God, right? He could, in his mind, he could have had no clue that they were angels. We don't know. He could have had no clue. They were just men. And he's still going to say, my lords, and use a word like Adonai or whatever. Just so you know, we have to be careful when we're reading. Just because you see a word doesn't mean, right? Like Elohim, we talked about that. Elohim is the word used for God, a word used for God. Well, it's also a word used for angels. It's also, it's just a type of creature, right? That is not from creation, but from the heavenlies. It just so happens that God is the Elohim, right? So these guys are lords, Adonai. He is the Adonai, right? So there's that. Know about that. Um, Lot calls himself their servant. He offers them a place to sleep, offers them an opportunity to wash and refresh themselves, uh, get some, uh, a chance to get an early start in the morning. And Lot assumes that they are travelers. And so he's offering what we would think of as normal traveling benefits. But I don't know if you picked up on this, what did he not offer? Food. food. He made no offer of food. Is it just the way the guy wrote the story? Did that little bit of text somehow get lost? Well, I don't know. But he didn't offer any. Do you remember what Abraham offered? Bread and milk. I mean, and butter. Yeah, he offered a light snack. <laughs> right? Do you remember that? Yeah. He was like, hey, come on up, do all the stuff, and I'll get you just a little bread and whatever. I don't know if it's because traveling, it's like, hey, we don't want to get full. It's going to make traveling hard or whatever. But he was like, no, it's just a light snack. Come on in. He doesn't offer any food at all. Right? Very weird. Now, the last that we knew in the text, where was Lot living? Outside the city. Where's Lot living now? Inside the city. That's where his house is. And so you can see the progression of this guy. And in some ways, it's fortunate that God, the angels, whatever, showed up when they did because you sort of get the feeling that Lot is on his way out the door of whatever you want to call it, uh, God, Christianity, whatever, put a name on it. He's, he's failing, I think. Now, the angels uh, refuse his offer and suggest that they would prefer to just sleep in the town square or the plaza. The town square, so what we know from archaeology, history, that kind of stuff, you would normally go to a city and there's going to be like the entrance, a big gate. And that's 
everybody knew that's where you do business, law, travelers come in. Everybody knows where to go. You go to the gate. And then there, there was usually some sort of flat area. We would think of it like a street, okay, that, that would lead through that gate, if you will, and that would go into the city for some, some distance, not real far, but that was like the big open area. So it's like, welcome to our city. Here's this open area. This is where, I don't know, maybe you could find shops, maybe you could find whatever. And then the rest of the city would be filled with its normal inhabitants, right? So it's not like a town square where, oh no, you have to go find the center of the town, right? You have to drive through some of the town and then there's this cute little town square and then you drive... So it was at the gate, just so you know, and they were just going to stay out there. It may have had, it may have had even something like a fountain, water available, you know, things like that. Don't really know, but uh, that's what they were talking about. So for your mental image, we've got that. David, verse 3. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate it. Okay. <laughs> So first, he pressed them strongly. Um, this is going to come up later. We'll point it out when we get there. But it, again, it's kind of funny. It's that word, uh, how do you say it? Tov, ma'od, ma'od, I think. Uh, anyway, it means very. So he, he urged them very, right? Just the, the weird Hebrew like a, like a literal translation, wanted them to stay. We'll see more about that later. But they accept the offer because he pressed them. Now, is there some sort of a lesson in this? Must we sometimes urge God very? We're praying, you know, God, please do this, right? Do you pray it once and then you're just done? Sometimes that's probably fine. It's probably sufficient. Other times, is it actually important, necessary even, that we urge God very, that we pursue Him on an issue? No, do not say no, right? Maybe we see it here. These are all examples for us. Uh, let's see. The... Uh, <laughs> After he has offered no food, what does he do? He makes them a feast, right? He didn't make them a meal. Well, he didn't make them a snack. He didn't make them a meal. It didn't say, yeah, you know, he got out some bread. He made them a feast, right? Very much like Abraham. He made way, way too much food. But then, I don't know if you picked up on this, what kind of bread did he make them? Yeah. And what is unleavened bread? No yeast. Yeah. Have you ever eaten it? Yeah. It's kind of like a rough cracker, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not very good, really, right? Uh, it's not like it's horrible. I happen to like bread-like stuff a lot, so I, I enjoy it. But it's not that great. Why would he do that? Because you remember Abraham, when he brought me, it's like, what was that? you know, 40 loaves of bread or something they were going to make and they were baking all that stuff. Why do you think he did unleavened bread? Faster. It was faster. Yeah. If you don't have to wait for it to rise, you can mix it up and cook it right away 
and eat it sooner. When did the guys arrive in town? Evening. It was already evening and they were going to sleep and they wanted to travel, going to get an early start in the morning, presumably, right? That's what you do. So unleavened bread, probably just because it was faster. What does unleavened bread represent often in scripture? Pardon? No sin. No sin. That's right. Yeah. Now, could, it, could there be something in this text where they're trying to make a point with unleavened bread? Well, it's probably not about Lot or his family or the town or whatever. Maybe about these men. Oh, you seem holy. I'll give you unleavened bread. Or, I, I don't know. Maybe. But I kind of doubt it. I think it's just they needed speed. All right. Uh, once again... We've got this conundrum. It introduces them in this story as angels. And yet, they seem to have the appearance of men still from the previous story because nobody's freaking out, whatever. Everything feels kind of normal. What are angels supposed to not do? They don't eat. And what Lot made him a feast. And, And what does it say? And... They ate. This, man, I'm telling you, I went and looked again, because, I mean, it comes up in study. Last week, this week, you know, the Jews and their tradition, all that kind of stuff, and I love them. They come up with so many great things, but on this issue, they try really, really, really hard to go, look, angels don't eat, so, you know, they couldn't have eaten here. This has to be some sort of, you know, magic trick or whatever you want to call it there. They're, they're doing something, and I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Now, to be fair, Jews don't even like the New Testament, but when you get into the New Testament, Jesus himself, what is his proof? He walks into the room, and they're like, oh, you know, it, it looks like Jesus. You know, what, what's going on? You could see the scars, whatever. And what does he say? Give me some of that fish. Right? He eats in front of them. Why does he do that? Yeah, he wants them to recognize, no, I'm a man like you. I eat. So he was at least giving some sort of uh, airtime, playtime to this idea that, no, only humans eat. Right? He was going with it. He did it again on the shore, right? I'm eating some more just to kind of prove, no, I, I'm a guy. I'm, I'm flesh, right? It's new. It's different. But this is weird. This is hard because these are supposed to be angels, but they look like men and they're eating. So can, can an angel become like a man and in fact eat because they're in man form? Nobody knows. Jewish tradition would say, no, they're angels. Can't do it. But these two stories, they throw a gigantic wrench in all of that. And so I'm just pointing that out because you're going to hear different sides. And the best answer is, you know, I don't know. It says they did. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now here's the other thing. The distance from where Abraham, Abraham was down to Sodom, it's pretty far. I mean, it's like, 
I don't know, you think of the typical picture of the Dead Sea. It's like halfway up it. That's where Abraham is. And they're a little bit to the west and they have to traverse all the way down to the bottom. So it's a big trip. It doesn't mean it was evening the same day. Could have been evening a different day, right? But yeah, it says they ate. And I don't know. We just kind of have to, kind of got to take it for what it says. Verse four, Isaac. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. Okay. So up to this verse four, everything seemed like it was going pretty well, right? Angels get to Sodom. They're greeted with hospitality. They enjoy some refreshment, a meal. They're about to enjoy a good night's rest. Maybe the city will be spared after all. I mean, whatever God was hearing, you know, these guys show up and it's like, I don't know, this guy come out and met us, took us in. This is great. I don't know what's wrong, right? However, it appears that in the background, there's been some stirring or plotting or whatever going on. And the text really wants us to know that there are no righteous in Sodom. It talks about the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man. Okay. Now I've talked about this before. You can, in any number of situations, circumstances, whatever, take the Bible too literally. It's just going to get you in trouble. It's going to bite you in the butt. You just, you need to be careful because the people that were writing it didn't write the way that we think today, right? So you got to acknowledge that. And here, even here, I think you look at this and you go, all right, what's the text trying to tell us? Well, coming off of Abraham's, Abraham's negotiation, he was saying, hey, even if there were 10, right? The text is trying to make the point, yeah, there's a big fat zero. Okay, Lot's going to mess that up. There's going to be one. But they're trying to make the point, there are not 10 righteous in Sodom. Okay? Now, is it also trying to make the point that it was literally every single human male in Sodom was actually surrounding that house? Maybe. I mean, maybe it was. Maybe it was that complete. Every single human male. But it's okay if it wasn't. If they were just using exaggeration and hyperbole to make the point, it's okay. Do you hear what I'm saying with that? That you don't have to look at this and if somebody makes some sort of argument how this could not be true, you can go, dude, have you ever heard of hyperbole or exaggeration? People talk like this all the time. People tell stories like this all the time. Why do they exaggerate? Is it because they're trying to fool you? Are they trying to lie to you? No. They want you to know, dude, that fish was big, right? Maybe it wasn't as big as I'm saying, but it was big. They want you to walk away with that feeling. They want you to walk away with, there were no righteous in Sodom. There were none, right? Now, 
Do I know that it's exaggeration or hyperbole? Nope. This could be 100% fact. That's okay too. I'm just saying, don't get hung up on it. That's all. The point is what matters. So, <sighs> they surround the house, the two men or angels, whatever you want to call them. At this point, they cannot escape. Well, we know they could, but normal circumstances, they would be surrounded. They couldn't escape. Okay? Brandon, you want to do verse 5? <clears throat> and they called a lot. Where are, the men, uh, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Ah. So this is the crowd, the mob, if you will. They are calling out to Lot. Where are those men? Bring them out. Yeah? They demand that he hand over the visitors. They don't, <laughs> they want, they don't want to just get to know them. Like, so where are you from? Have any family? <laughs> it's not that. They want to know them like what we would think of uh, well, like in the normal case, we would think of that in the marriage sense, right? Get to know them. This is more in the sexual perversion sense, right? But they want to know them. And just to say it more clearly, they want to rape and humiliate them. It's rough. And for what it's worth, I don't know how much this matters, but just so you kind of have it in your head. In Canaanite culture of this time period, generally speaking, okay, sodomy was acceptable. It was kind of, kind of normalized, right? It's not to say they didn't have a standard and that marriage relationships were good. It's a, they did, but... They were very tolerant and accepting of homosexual kind of behavior and even uh, some measure of rape. I mean, when you start talking about stuff to do with the gods and worship of the gods, whatever, it can get super bad. But I'm saying just in normal everyday culture, even this kind of thing was somewhat accepted. Okay. Does that make this <laughs> any better or different? No. Because, I mean, this, this is evil and cruel, you know. This isn't like, <laughs> today they'd call it consensual. <laughs> it isn't that, right? This is, this is pretty messed up. So, uh, for a mob, I mean, in some way, they, they kind of start out nice. Hey, we want those men, and, you know, now's your chance. You can just bring them on out to us, and we won't have to resort to any kind of force. So, you know, for a mob, that's not too bad, right? But it doesn't stay that way. John, you want to read? Oh, buddy, you got the bad one. Verses 6 through 8. Okay. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. Yeah. I'm guessing this is a part of the story where everybody goes, oh man, I hate this. What is going on? So Lot begins by trying to reason with the mob. And, I mean, 
a lot of us in here, we've lived a while, you've seen reasoning with a mob often works. Not. Does it ever work? Has it ever worked in human history? <laughs> right? Maybe. Jonah went to Nineveh. If, I don't know if you'd call that a mob, but, you know, it, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. But I want you to notice this. I don't know if you noticed it on your way through the text. The door seems to play a relatively important role for a door, right? It's very clear. He walked outside and he shut the door after him, shut the door behind him. Just immediately, you got to be going, they're putting a lot of faith in that door, right? I mean, he thought that shutting it would help <laughs> in some way. So I just want to point that out because it's going to keep coming up. But he meets with them. He's alone. And I mean, it's pretty courageous, right? And if you had a mob at your house, whatever the topic may have been of the day, going out to confront a mob, that's pretty courageous, right? Um, Lot tries to appeal to them. Come on, guys, don't be so wicked, right? <laughs> Which, I mean, that's a pretty compelling argument, right? <laughs> if, you, if you were dead set on committing some sort of evil and somebody came out and said, come on, don't be evil. I mean, you'd pretty much be ready to change your mind, right? Just like that now. It's, it's, a, it's a silly argument. But he tries to bring the wickedness meter at least down a little bit. And here's his plan, his offer. Take my virgin daughters instead. Now, if we're trying to figure out how this is better, the only thing I could come up with was, okay, so it's Still rape and humiliation, but at least it's heterosexual instead of homosexual. You got anything better than that? It ain't much, right? But for whatever reason, Lot thinks it's a good idea. So there's that. The daughters, this is important, they were betrothed. Okay? Now it calls them sons-in-law but they weren't actually married yet. Day, time, culture. When you became betrothed, it was as legally binding as the marriage itself. The marriage was simply the covenant ceremony. Betrothal was a really, really big deal. Okay? So remember Joseph and Mary? He finds out she's pregnant. He was going to divorce her. They weren't married yet. They were only betrothed. So you see, even in the New Testament, a lot of years have passed, that tradition carries on. So they were betrothed. So why am I telling you that? Because to take them would have legally, now we don't know this specifically for Sodom, but generally speaking in Canaanite culture law, it would have been legally uh, the death penalty. The men may have known that, probably knew that. I can't take your daughters. They're married. I mean, we could actually face the death penalty. Now, in a town, a city like Sodom, would they have been charged? Would they have been convicted? Okay, probably not, but 
there was at least some sort of legal ramification to this. And so in the end, you look at this and you go, so what's actually happening here is that Lot is elevating the status or the stature or whatever you want to call it of these guests over and above even his own daughters. Now, you remember when I said how important hospitality was in this day and time, how they looked at it, how important? This is an amazing picture. Lot, he receives guests into his home. They are more important than even his own family. Hospitality was a big deal, right? So think back to when your mom or possibly your wife, depends on, you know, somebody was going to come over to the house and, oh my gosh, you thought the president was coming or something. I mean, the cleaning, the rain, you know, spankings, you better get busy helping, right? You know what I'm saying? This house better look spotless, right? That is a picture of that kind of hospitality, right? It's showing honor, showing reverence, but the guests more important than the family. That's why you got a spanking when you weren't helping cleaning up for company coming over, right? They became more important than you for a, for a short time, right? It's, it's a real thing. So um, he says, don't take these men. And on one hand, we might think it's, you know, because they're men. So don't do that. And don't take these men because they're my guests. You know, today we would say because hospitality, right? That's the smart alecky way to say it. So anyway, there's what's going on there. So uh, Kim, verse 9. Oh, yes. Do you think there's a... Was he bluffing? Was he offering his daughters because he knew they wouldn't take his daughters? That's a really good question. What do you think? That's where I lean because it's hard. It's just hard to wrap your mind around the other yeah. side that he just literally, you know, favored the guest. Um, so I don't know. That's that's probably where I lean. In that he was called righteous later, so yeah. we know that. So I don't know. That that's yeah. probably where I lean. Yeah, you know what? It's very fair question and even uh, conclusion, whatever, or leaning, whatever. So totally fair. I think for me, I look back and I go, man, I don't know. I am so far separated from these people in distance, in time, in culture, every way that I can think of. There's a part of me that goes, I don't know. I think it's believable they would do stuff like this. It's so far outside of my understanding, my ability to even comprehend it, but... I wasn't there. If I was there, born, lived in this time, what would I think of that? I have no idea. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I get it. I, I just, who knows? Who knows? Kim, verse 9. <clears throat> and they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came to adjourn, and he needs to be a judge. Now will we deal worse with these than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. Ah, there's that door again. So the crowd, 
standing back, right? Standing back. You're just going to get hurt. We've got things to do, right? And then, then you start to get a sense of, so, so here's Lot. He's drawn to something about the city. First, he's down in the valley. Then he's living near the city. Next thing you know, he's in the city. Lot, he likes the city. He, I mean, in some sense, you got to think he likes Sodom. But how are the rest of the people of Sodom looking at him, thinking about him, right? There was nothing about Lot's offer that was appealing. That's the first thing we notice. Uh, in fact, they were a little bit offended. They felt like he was telling them what to do. And if I could borrow a phrase from around here, well, that's going to sound repetitive now. He wasn't from around there, right? What are you, what are you telling us what to do? You're not even from around here, right? Ever seen or heard people act like that before? I mean, come on. This is, yeah, this is real life stuff. Nothing made up here. They saw him still as an outsider, a sojourner. That's what they call him, right? This fellow came to sojourn, right? Sojourn, think of it this way. You had Israel, and these were people who, let's just say, for simplicity's sake, they were Israel by blood. And then you had other people who lived on the edges of Israel. They never actually legally converted to Judaism, became Israel proper. They just lived around them, among them, right? They were sojourners. You've probably also heard the phrase strangers and aliens, right? These aren't people they've never seen or heard of before that just showed up out of nowhere. These are people that lived in and among them all the time. They just weren't legal, right? So that's what they're talking about here. They're calling him a sojourner. Yeah, he's around all the time, but he's not one of us, right? That's what they're saying. He had no place to be acting as a judge, and more specifically, as their judge. So they decide they're going to do more harm or bad or wrong or evil, whatever you want to call it, to him than they were even going to do to the travelers. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Well, I don't know what they had in mind, but whatever they were thinking about doing with the travelers was enough for me, right? That just is messed up. So that was their promise. Now, we never actually see this come to pass, but that was their threat. So again, what does it say? They pressed hard against the man, Lot. That's the same wording that was used at the gate when Lot pressed them hard so that they would come stay with him. Please don't stay out here. Come stay with me. So Lot was very convincing. Lot was very aggressive, you might even say, getting them to come stay with him the same way that they're now aggressive getting him out of the way so that they can get to these men. 
Uh, though they threaten Lot, they haven't forgotten their original goal. They want to get to those travelers and they want to break down, you know, what's starting to seem like a pretty awesome door. I mean, it must have constituted a pretty good barrier because everybody cares about it. So, man, I've gone through a lot, nine verses so far. Where are you guys at? You got any comments or questions? Yeah. So where, where is all Lot's people that travel with him and his herdmen and his herd? I mean, it's just, where are all those people who would, you think, be there to yeah. protect and all that? I that mean, is a great question. Because we know Lot and Abram, they, they just had too much. Lot had to go. They had to separate. And yeah, it was about herds and flocks, but it took a lot of people to take care of that stuff. Lot had family, right? Whatever. And, and family, when you think of the household, let's use that word, their household was not just blood family, but all kinds of servants and workers and all of that. Where were they? There's a couple possibilities. We don't know the answer, Kim, but possibilities are, you know what? He kind of let that stuff go, sold it all off, used the proceeds so he could live in the city, just be a man of the city. Could have done that. Or it could be that he lived in the city and he simply had his men, workers, out in the fields, the valley, whatever, continuing to do whatever it is they did. He just wasn't out there with them day to day, right? Or anything in between, or things that I can't even think of. But yeah, we don't know. It's a good question. But they weren't in the house. That much we know. Yeah, or the text would suggest. Anybody else? All right. Let's go on to verse 10. Terry? But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. Right. <laughs> Nine verses ago, these were angels. Now they're men. This text is confusing. Who are they? What are they? Right? How are people perceiving them? Does Lot even know that they're angels at this point? The people of the town, I don't know, probably not, because, I mean, I don't know what they think they're going to do to an angel, whatever. It's just weird. But all of a sudden, they're men again, and uh, they reach out from behind the door, <laughs> there it is again, and drag Lot back inside, back inside, and... Let's not forget, they shut that door <laughs> because apparently it's a pretty substantial barrier, right? It's keeping them safe, which I don't know. For me, that's kind of an amazing image. I don't know. You think of historically uh, what we know about the types of houses they had and all that kind of stuff. You wouldn't have imagined it being that secure, you know, but whatever. It, it's a part of the story. There may be something to that door that uh, we need to know and understand, but I'm not picking up on it, except that it appears to be a big deal. Um, so that's really all I got there. Philip, verse 11. Then they struck the man at the doorway of the house with blindness from youth to elderly, so that they gave up trying to find the doorway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine says they wore themselves out groping for the door. 
So, a couple things about that. Number one, these men, or angels, struck, apparently, to the last man, he struck them all with blindness. Now, the text limits the blindness to the men at the entrance. But the house was surrounded, so... I mean, you have a choice. You could read the story and you could think, well, some of them were blinded and maybe that scared the others so they went home. Or you could think, no, it, I mean, anybody who was involved, they were all blind now, whether they were up at the front at the entrance or not, right? doesn't matter. It's a big, big, important event. Um, they wore themselves out trying to find the door. So there's a couple things. I mean, just imagine you, I don't even know what the circumstance would be, but for whatever reason, you're trying to get to a door, in a door, and all of a sudden, you're blind. Okay, now I realize this would be pretty traumatic and inconvenient and all that kind of stuff, but do you think you could find the door you were headed for? Yeah. So do you think that they were struck with something in addition to blindness, like I don't know, some sort of confusion. Or, I don't know, maybe there was some sort of magical spiritual barrier that was prevented. That, you know, I, I have no idea. But just being blind, as crazy and awful as that might be, it doesn't prevent you from completely finding something. I mean, right? You, oh, here's a wall. Walk down it. You know, I mean, you could find a door. You could do that. So, they struck them with something else. But here's the thing. I want you to imagine this. I don't want to say you guys because it's uncomfortable even talking about it. Here's this bunch of guys. They go out. They've surrounded this house. Give us those men. We want to have our way with them, right? Get out of our way. You're not our judge. We're coming in. We're coming in. And all of a sudden, they're struck with blindness. Why wasn't their first thought uh-oh, I'm playing with things I don't understand. This is bigger than me now. I'm going to grope my way home. But they don't. They're like, nope, even if you strike me blind, I'm still getting in that door. I'm coming for those men. What is wrong with these people? Even being struck with blindness doesn't matter to them. They are set on that goal. Realistic or not, that's what the story is. It, it's just crazy to me. Just crazy to me. So, where are we at? Are we on David? Verse uh, 12 and 13. Let's do that. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of the place? For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Okay. So verse 12, we've got the, hey, you might want to take care of some things because stuff's about to go down. Verse 13 is just kind of a repeat of what God had told Abraham. Hey, this is the way we're seeing the situation, and uh, this is what we're going to be doing about it, right? but he's filling Lot in. This, this is the actual thing. Now, 
Lot is not called righteous here in this text, in this story. He's just not. But he is called righteous elsewhere. Peter calls him that. However, let's go back to the story. What was Abraham negotiating? Was he really, really, really concerned about the city or something else? It was something else. And what was the something else? What was Abraham's real concern? Lot. What else? Any righteous. Save any righteous. Yeah. His concern was that God was going to treat the righteous and the wicked the same. It's just unacceptable. You can't be God if you're going to do that. Right? You can't. Because the very definition of God and that fear of the Lord, why do we even fear Him? Because He rewards punish, uh, He rewards righteousness and punishes sin. <laughs> he rewards punishment. That came out bad. Yeah, rewards righteousness and punishes sin. If you treat both the same, it is unjust. And if it is unjust, you are not the judge of the whole earth. And if you're not the judge of the whole earth, you are not God. It's very simple logic to Abraham, right? And we see that here. If, well, we're trying to apply that here. If these angels are saying, look, gather your stuff together. We're going to get you out of here. What are they saying? You are not going to be treated the same as the wicked. Therefore, you must be righteous. So, I said it earlier, and it probably made you guys go, man, that Jewish stuff is so weird. We focus on the sexual sin. Not that that's incorrect. That's a bad thing. But why do Jews look at it and say, no, the greatest sin was their lack of hospitality. They weren't caring for the disadvantaged. That kind of stuff. Because that's who Lot was. Lot did that and he was saved. He did what no one else would do. That was the greater sin. Buy it, don't buy it, I don't care about that. This is where it comes from. This is how their thinking went to get them to that. So it's kind of cool. Uh, let's see. He's going to be saved Logic suggests uh, he is righteous. Once again, we see others. Oh, this is good. Once again, we see others being saved due to the righteousness of the one. It's another picture of what Messiah has done. Okay. We've seen it in Noah. We're going to, uh, did we see it? With, we saw it with Abraham, right? Through some of those stories. Um, we're seeing it here with Lot, we're going to see it again with Moses. I mean, it just comes up over and over. It's a recurring theme in your Bible. Are, was Noah's family righteous because Noah was righteous? No. But did they receive the reward of the righteous because of Noah? Yeah. Is Lot's family righteous? According to the text, no. But they're going to receive the reward of righteousness because of Lot's righteousness. Are you righteous? 
Well, you could be. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But you receive the reward of the righteous and not just any old righteous, the perfectly righteous. Yeah, you receive it because of him. Now, a lot of people, they get this idea in their head. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Now I'm clean. God looks at me and he sees no sin, right? Okay, you are not a child anymore. Stop saying that out loud. That is not how this works. When you sin, God sees it. God sees everything. Don't act like he's got some sort of special sinless glasses that he wears when he looks at you. That's crazy. But he is willing to apply the righteous merit of his son to you so that you receive the reward of the righteous. You, in some sense, are uh, numbered with the righteous, right? Because of your faithfulness and loyalty to him, your belief. And we've talked about this. Belief isn't just like a faith, like a belief, but it's, it's faith and faithfulness. When God sees that you are a sheep and not a goat, you receive that reward. Now, does this mean that you couldn't be considered righteous in the same way that Noah was, or Lot was, or Moses was, or uh, John the Baptist's father was? Or... No, of course. In fact, I'm your cheerleader. You go. See if you can do it. It isn't going, that's not the thing that buys you salvation. It's not the thing that, you know, quote unquote, gets you into heaven. But that's what we're here for. It's for your good, for your fulfillment. But that's what's going on here. You, you need to see that image, how it is that you are joined in, how it is that you receive, right? And so we are called righteous. We are called saints. Not specifically because we have been changed. We still sin. Like, don't act like reality isn't real. But you, it, you, uh, you're included because of your association with the righteous one. See what I'm saying? And eventually, after resurrection, oh, you will be righteous. You will be perfectly righteous. It, so it isn't also that it's not true uh, in 100% today, but it, it will be 100% tomorrow-ish, whatever that day is, right? So it's good stuff. It's, it's good. You got to get these pictures. All right. So uh, what's funny, uh, we see others being saved due to the righteousness of the one, right? We talked about that. Lot even gets to choose. In-laws, kids, and then, I don't know what your translation says. Have you anyone else here? Sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Lot got to pick them, right? Did you notice who was missing from his list? His wife. <laughs> his wife. I don't know if that's like the story trying to give you a little preview that, yeah, she's not going to make it or whatever. Or maybe he wasn't going to pick her. I don't know. I can't judge. That's a crazy thing. But he got to chew. That's kind of weird. But when you think about Messiah, he gets to choose who is included and who is not. 
that's kind of an interesting thought. I don't know how far we should take it, but it's, you know, hang on to that. Uh, and so at this point, we have to assume that somehow God has verified the outcry. He knows that there aren't even 10 righteous people in Sodom. There may be only this one lot, as far as we know from the text. And the angels have been sent to destroy the city, and they are going to do it. So, let's see. Is this a good stopping point? Oh, it's a good stopping point. All right, we're going to quit there. So, we'll see what happens between uh, Lot and the rest of his family next week. But I'm also... You remember how I tried to... I don't want to say I tried. We did that little exercise where we did, uh, what was it, generosity? I brought you that sheet and we, we did that for a week. I meant to have it done already and I've just been kind of overwhelmed, work and everything else. Whatever. Life is what it is. If it's possible for me to do and have it ready for next week, since we only have two weeks left, I want to try to get you one more of those. I'm going to put one together and we'll do, we'll start it next week and we'll get to talk about it our last, last week here, right? If I don't make it, whatever, my bad. Maybe it'll be your holiday fun. I don't know. But uh, I'm going to try to put that together just so you know that's coming. Uh, what do you got? Comments, questions about everything we talked about today? You think Lot sees that he's going to lose it? I mean, this is what we talk. His people was following him, his herds. He's going to lose everything that... He got half of, he's getting right, he's going to walk away from. Yeah. You think that bothers him? Or? Well, you know, I think we're going to talk about that next week. I think the answer is yes. Yeah. yeah. And it actually relates to Nick, and people are very happy to choose heaven over hell, but not quite so easy to choose heaven over earth. I think we're going to see that in Lot. We'll talk about that. So, yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Anybody else? fallen angels, father children, uh, right? daughters of men. Yeah. They can do a whole lot. Yeah, that's a good point. It appears they can. Yeah. And see, again, when we go back, uh, when we're talking about this Jewish tradition stuff, are they right about everything? No. But are they wrong about everything? No, not by a long shot. In fact, they seem to have picked up on a lot that was amazing. So when we talk about angels or whatever, just because their thinking was, hey, this is how it works. It doesn't even mean it has to be true just because Jesus seemed to kind of uh, operate in, in that sort of thinking. Isn't it just as possible that he's going, look, I know what everyone here thinks. And even if he knew that it wasn't exactly true, that they were misunderstanding something about angels, well, he still could have done that for their sake, right? So it's, we could say that Jesus doing the things he did, we could call it a soft endorsement. But what does that mean? Does that mean that it's actually true or that he's simply endorsing their current way of thinking so that he can communicate with them. You see what I'm saying? He, he's just meeting them where they are.
type stuff. So yeah, angels, they're kind of, I don't know, entertaining angels unawares. That whole, that whole scripture seems to be referring back to Abraham and Lot. Those are like the original stories. And what does that look like? I mean, if, if, if we entertain an angel, would you expect him to look like an angel or a person? How would you, you know, how are you treating them? If it was an angel, are you not going to act outside your norm? If you knew it was an angel, you're going to do things that you probably wouldn't even do for another human because you know they're angel, right? So, yeah. Similar to that, Paul, I had a, a friend of mine ask me, uh, is there such things as ghosts? And I said, no, you know, when you die, you go heaven or hell, you know. And he said, well, why is it in the Bible? I said, what, what do you mean, why is it in the Bible? He said, well, Samuel. when Jesus was walking on the water, the apostles oh, said, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. Yeah. And, and so I said, no, they thought it was a ghost. It was in their mind, but, yeah. but that doesn't indicate that there are ghosts. It's just that it was in their mind that they thought it could be a ghost. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And then you have a story like uh, Samuel. He's brought back. What do you call that? I don't know the answer. I'm just saying, I don't know. Now, I, as just as a guy, just a, my own self, I don't really give a lot of credence to the whole ghost thing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I just don't really care about it. It's just nothing I ever think about or whatever. You guys think whatever you want. But if we, if we get down and we're just talking about possibilities, right? Well, the Bible opens up that possibility for something, right? Now, does it have to mean that it's actually the spirit of a person at unrest or, you know, something like that? Well, no. Couldn't it just as easily be a demon or something acting, you know? what? Who knows? But when people say, are there such things as ghosts? I'm, I'm usually the guy that just goes, I don't know. I don't really think so, but who am I to say? Right? It's, it, those, are, those are hard questions. They're hard to, to be certain on. Because it just, we are so stuck in creation. And everything outside of creation is such a mystery to us. We think we know some things, whatever we read in Scripture, but... It's just a big, fat mystery, you know? What else? I just kind of get confused when they'll say, when they'll say angel and then they say men. I mean, yeah. unless they're just tired of repeating themselves, saying angels, 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 right. saying men, but, and then are they, you know, I don't know. It just confuses me. Yeah, and the reason it confuses you is because it's confusing. It just is. I mean, in fact, to act as though that's not confusing is being far less honest, less honest than what you just said. It's, it's weird, right? I, I think part of the point of the story is that you walk away unsure of who is what and where and all of the thing because there's something mysterious about it, right? You need to feel that mystery to some degree. 
you can feel confident in, you know, on the whole, this is what I think about this issue or that issue. You can feel confident about those kind of things. That's important, right? You got you to believe something, right? But you also got to be a little bit honest and just go, well, look, in the end, this is how I see it, but this is wrapped in a lot of mystery. And so I'm very willing to go, yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. I'm not going to argue with you about it because who's right? Nobody knows. But it's, it's confusing. It is. And I personally think that the story's written that way on purpose so that we feel the confusion and the mystery. Man, who was it that actually showed up? I mean, I think in the end, you've got to be pretty certain that they're not just men. None of them were just men, right? So, okay, so they were probably angels. That, that kind of makes some sense. But then you've got that third one. Is it, is it an angel, as in like the angel of the Lord coming on behalf, like in his authority, what he says, it's like the very words of God? Or it also says that God visited it, but, but like, was it actually God in some form? And then what do you do with the fact that it says they were men? Did God incarnate before Jesus' time? Or, right? It's confusing. So, yeah. You're, you're doing good. If you thought you were certain about something, I'd be more worried about you. <laughs> Anybody else? One last thing. You've got to wonder if Lot's credit, uh, if he had lost credit with his sons-in-laws sons because 10 minutes earlier he tried to give away their wives to the mob. <laughs> Good point. But yeah. The jesting part says something probably about him, how they viewed him broadly. Yeah. But if they had gotten wind of that, they probably wouldn't have gone with them anyway. Yeah. But. Yeah. My, my wife's, or wife-to-be, whatever you want to call it, my wife's dad has lost it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear what he tried to do? And now he's coming over and telling us, you better get out of the city. It's going to get destroyed. I wonder if they could see him or not. What? I wonder if they could see him or not. See who? Lot. If they weren't struck with blindness. Oh. <laughs> you know. Yeah, if it's down to every last man. Yeah. See, there's a nut there. It goes back to the literal thing. Well, were Lot's son-in-laws included? Were they out there demanding, hey, bring out those men? It's a great question. But again, it's that thing of, man, if you, if you take your Bible too literally, it's going to get you in trouble. That's not the way they wrote or thought. It's just it's different culture. We've got to try to adjust a little bit. Anybody else? All right. You guys are awesome. Yeah. I had a pronunciation. Is it? Papaw or Papaw? Oh, that is Papaw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're for, proud of it though, aren't you? Yeah. For proud my to be one. That's right. For my kids, I'm Papa instead of Dad. It's just Papa. And so for the grandkids, it's Papaw. Gotcha. If we ever have grandkids, I don't know what we're gonna do. <laughs> yeah. Peepaw, pee pee, poo poo. I don't know. 
something. By then, it's probably going to be poo-poo, right? <laughs> I got a question. Is uh, one that you talk about in two more weeks, this will be over. There's not much time, but I 